0: He's the CEO of Tenfold, a revenue performance platform, and they're based in Austin, Texas. Patrick, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, hey, thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me on the show. I love the podcast and lots of great information, and I'm honored to be on the show.
0: Well, pleasure to have you here. And take a minute, introduce yourself, maybe. Tell us how you got your start with, uh, well, in sales, such as it is, and working with Tenfold.
1: Sure, sure thing, sure thing. So, so I got my start in engineering. So I started a computer consulting company at age fourteen. I took the money that I made from that, and I bought my first house at eighteen. Wow. And then I graduated. I graduated from Ottawa with a bachelor's degree at nineteen. And so, just really kind of a lot of pent up ambition there early on. And um, I transitioned into I built a real estate company uh, in two thousand ten. Uh, When the market dipped, in Canada or in the U.S.? In in the U.S. And and this was in this was in the Central Valley in California. Mm -hmm. Uh, Partnered, uh, had some partners. I was the chief engineer and created an algorithm that allowed uh, us to find properties that were distressed in pretty bad neighborhoods, but they had very good uh, rental income. And so we would go in. You know, there's a lot of problems with vacancies where you know people would break in the houses, right? with drugs. And so we would go in, we'd we'd buy the houses, we'd remodel them, we'd get tenants in there. And so it was really a win-win where the community would get better because we went in there. And then also it was a good investment um, because we we saw some great appreciation over the last couple of years. And so that was, uh, I did that. And then around 2013, 14, I noticed this really, really big data issue in sales. And the big data issue is that, you know, you've got Salesforce and you've got all, you know, you've got all your customers in there and you're like, you're thinking, hey, I'm done. You know, I've got everything set up and this is great. And, but the problem is, is what you start to notice as you use it more more and more is the activities, you know, the interactions, the, you know, is, do I know when someone in my company last called this customer? This, do I know when somebody in my company last called this lead? Um, And so uh, together with a group of co-founders, we incorporated in December 2014 uh, we got into TechStars in 2015, and we really saw a revolution occurring in sales. And this is the capturing of all interactions and really building a you know a good, good sales process that that we now call the Revenue Performance Platform.
0: So it's not that you couldn't capture all interactions in Salesforce, though. It's just it's just that you, reps reps didn't.
1: You, you were, Andy. You're you're 100 correct, and so uh, you you could capture so so i see i really see this in three generations right and so you've got the first generation you've got the rise of crms and you've got you know salesforce comes out you know early 2000 you know sales crms were created we moved from an analog to a digital world and you know businesses move customer information from paper files to digital records and this was an amazing transformation right and you had you could capture data just like you're saying. You know, you could click a button and log a call. You could click a button and log an email, and and this was awesome and and it really transformed the way we did our you know did business. Now the problem with that is what we started to realize is that is that um, you know reps just don't do it, right? What are reps? What are sales reps best at? You know, sales reps are best at charisma. You know, building rapport. You know, asking powerful questions. To get context, and really, you know, working directly with customers, and really that administrative burden of logging a call and then capturing all the notes, and then remembering, you know, two days later to follow up with that prospect—that's um, just not what they are they're, uh, you know, they have evolved to do, right? And so, this is where you see sort of generation two these legacy interaction platforms. You know, you have uh, platforms like InsideSales.com. They come on the scene. Uh, around 2004, they're very focused in a narrow field, you know, closing the initial sale, very focused on the sales department. And they've done a great job of growing that with their their technology. And in that time frame, though, modern sales has really moved on. And this is what we call the, the subscription revolution. And I think you're seeing it, Andy, you know, where organizations are starting to realize that the true value of a customer is not in the initial sale. It's not in a one-call close. The true value is in the long-term value of the customer. And, and that means the entire customer lifecycle and maintaining and growing a long-term relationship. And so what I think you can you can liken this to, you know, imagine the last time you had a really poor customer support experience. And imagine how you called in and or you emailed in and nobody helped you. And you know you could be a very high-value customer in the long term of that product, but if if you had a very poor customer support experience, you're going to churn, and and you're not you're now the long-term value is is is, is diminished, and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we're seeing this across the whole economy. This we're seeing it across the whole economy, and that's really where Tenfold comes in. Is we built a modern you know revenue performance platform, much like Inside Sales, but with brand new technology, modern technology, where we're able to deploy to an entire organization by connecting to their existing phone system in the cloud and capturing every phone event uh, and every email that's going through that company
0: okay so um, but there are and so, yeah I want to get to make sure we understand what tenfold does because you know there are as you said there's there's all these uh, I call them sales development platforms that <clears throat> I think they call themselves you know sales loft uh, inside sales certainly you know overlap with some of that um, okay. Outreach, so on and so forth, and then we've got um, you know client success and Totango and others on the the customer success side. So you're saying you sort of span across the whole thing?
1: Yeah. So what? So what I would say is like where we're, where we fit is you know uh, and those are those are some great companies that you mentioned. You know, Insidesales.com, Sales Salesloft, Outreach, and these are these are great, and they all really fall into the same category where what they do is they put even even salesforce voice which is in lightning and getting some adoption you mm-hmm. know they all sort of put this they, they all sort of put this phone system on top of a phone system where you know with salesloft when you dial it dials your you know your phone and so you're you've got this this results in two problems number 1 because you're bridging through multiple phone devices the audio quality is very, very bad very bad if you actually look at some of the reviews there, there's, there, there's not good. There's not happiness in terms of the audio quality because it's yes. uh, digitally the same digi- thing with digi-
0: encoded twice, right? That's you encode digital. It doesn't sound good.
1: You, you, you got it, and you, you know that, you know, from your podcast and from your, you know, experience in the industry, and so, and so, I really put all of those SDR tools over in one category, um, you know, the same category. We are a completely different solution, and what we have done, it took us a lot of time and a lot of work, is. We've actually created a platform where we plug into ninety-five percent of existing phone systems and we plug into all existing email systems. And so, you know, so, sort of like the NSA, you know, we can come in and we can tap into, you know, the channel that that links up the entire organization, and we can automatically capture all of the metadata that's going on within a company automatically. And so, and so what is this, what does this result in? Number one, you get the same phone system that you've been using and has great audio quality? What are systems like Avaya, Cisco, Polycom, Shortel? What have they been good at? They've been good at providing us amazingly good call quality. And so you still get that. And uh, number two, you get a huge decreased cost because instead of bringing in this phone system on top of a phone system, you're using what you already have. And so that's where that's where the modern you know, perf- platform comes in. And that's how we really differentiate among most other platforms, is we come in with a, you know, something that you can deploy in fifteen minutes, and you can capture all of the data within your company.
0: Right, and you then it looks like what you do is you make it easier than two to add notes on top of that, so that you get the whole issue of sort of, uh, yeah, you've got the metadata, but then it's some sort of annotation about it that sort of fulfills the CRM compliance becomes much simpler. It
1: sounds like what the approach you're taking. You, you got it and and security is a big aspect as well and a lot of these enterprise companies that's really the space that we play in. a lot of these enterprise companies have already had you know uh, sarbanes-oxley and you know ISO certifications on all their phone equipment and and anytime you bring in some other platform like outreach or sales loft or inside sales, you've got to actually you're adding in this new technology where there's there's a, a, lot, a lot of privacy issues and so, and so by, by plugging into that existing system, we also solve the security issues.
0: So how then does, do you work then, does tenfold work relative to, you know, call recording and so on, which is becoming increasingly important?
1: Yeah, yeah. So what we do is we plug in and, and directly capture those call recordings. Uh, those are Call recording is also something that um, existing systems like Avaya, Cisco, Shortel, that they've done a very good job of already doing very, very well. And so what we do is we just use what's already there, and then we take that data and we plug it in as a URL uh, inside of Salesforce.
0: Okay. So one question I guess is have you know trying to see how you position yourself then too is is again back to sort of the sales development platforms they tend to incorporate now increasingly some of the um, automation functions you know sequences you know follow up sequences and so on or cadence now to use the the term that most people use is that something that's available in Tenfold
1: it is it is and so we what we what we what we describe is really simple sequencing and and simple sequencing is is something more akin to say like a boomerang right and that what we find what we find is that there's there's the, there's a top down sequencing approach and there's a bottom up sequencing approach and from a from a top down sequencing approach that's what what a lot of the tools you see today do now the issue with that is that you know it's great from a control perspective but from a from an actual use perspective. We see the simple sequencing tools where it's in your email. Like I know do, do you use Boomerang or Follow Up or any of those types of tools on the email side. Boomerang. Yeah, and so and so we we have that same similar type of technology uh, where it's sort of simple. Like hey, remind me, you know, Boomerang this in two days, Boomerang mm-hmm. this in three days, and uh, uh, for before phone calls and leads.
0: Got it got it so who's uh, who's using it primarily is it focused are you focused on inside sales call yeah. centers both i mean who's the sort of ideal client profile for you
1: yeah so so some of the ideal client profiles like what we have is for example wayfair you know 700 users using the platform we we were able to go in and deploy uh, across you know from boston so that's that's probably a company you know a lot about uh, and uh, you know they've seen a thirty percent increase in connect rate using Tenfold. Um, we also have uh, Intercontinental Hotels Group, uh, owners of Holiday Inn, and really what, these types of companies uh, in the enterprise space. Uh, that's that's where that's where we're really winning.
0: No, they're using it for proactive outbound, or they're using it as inbound, responding to inbound leads. Uh,
1: so 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 that uh, both of those plus. Uh, customer success. Okay. And that's where we see uh, that's where we see a lot of it is is I'd say account based and customer success where you have um you you know we will we'll tie in multiple systems. So we integrate with existing CRMs and we'll take in, so for example, another uh, customer Hootsuite uh, will use Zendesk and Salesforce, mm-hmm. right? And so we plug into both Zendesk we plug into both Zendesk and Salesforce and we will uh, like if a customer calls in an enterprise customer calls in about a uh, you know calls in about a a, a case or, or a ticket it will capture all of that information and send it back and so the, so i'd say i'd say it's about a 50-50 mix i mean, mainly enterprises 50-50 mix between sales and customer success
0: got it got it so you know on that inbound cuz one of the things you do is you identify the caller is Given that you're supporting two different platforms, as Zendesk and the Salesforce, can you identify based on the caller then which one you're going to be updating?
1: Yes, yes, and, and 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 oftentimes customers will actually ask us to push to both. And I think that this is something that is 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 going on in the Oracle ecosystem and in the Salesforce ecosystem. Is that even as Salesforce you know buys these other you know ecosystem based companies, you know even Desk.com, you know they don't all really talk. They don't all really Really sync, right? Like mm-hmm. you're usually acquiring, you're usually acquiring a company from the outside, bringing it and selling it, but then the linking between the two is not very great. And so, what we typically would do is, even if something comes in for Zendesk, that record will usually also be in Salesforce. And so, we'll grab both data profiles, we'll aggregate it, we'll display it to the user, and then when they take their notes, we'll then push back that data to both platforms.
0: Got it. So then, do you provide like a rules capability to that they can use to set up sort of custom screens for agents and so on?
1: Yes. Exactly. Yes.
0: Okay. Interesting. So you're really sort of performing sort of a plumbing function to some degree, right, with the, the multiple systems that you're linking?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Where, where I'd say I'd say really the evolution of that is that we 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 looked at the ground level and we said, what is the prime? You know, you know, using you know first you know fundamentals and, and saying what is the fundamental problem here? The fundamental problem is. It's missing data. Reps aren't manually entering this data, and so you can have all the you can have all the tools in the world, like you know, Insight Squared or you know, all the reporting and pipeline tools you want. Even Einstein, I think that was an interesting one at Dreamforce recently. Is you have Einstein, and that's hey, it's amazing. Einstein looks great. You know, it's got some great marketing and great flashy stuff. And but you know, Einstein is only as good as the data that's in your CDRM. You know, you can't make you can't predictively you know come up with what the rep should do next unless you have the data. And so the way that we attacked it, the way that Tenfold sees the world, is that we said, we really have to go in and capture all of the data first and make sure that the data is being pushed and synchronized to the right places. And then on top of that, now that we have the data, we're able to go in and do, uh, you know, and and really able to to create lists and to give reminders and to do simple sequencing and being able to do that next level of um, of really sales performance and and we you know the reason why we went with revenue performance platform is is instead of sales performance platform is just that we have a lot of customer success clients mm-hmm. and and we, and we really see it as you know customer success and customer support are just a function of sales in, in you know in that in that and I think. In some organizations, becoming just as important as sales, where deals are being won and lost, uh, you know, are being lost in in customer support quite often. And so, and so that's where you know revenue performance platform comes from. Is that what we really focus on? Is what are this what are the sequences of events? What are the, what is the data that is required to help your company increase revenue? Right.
0: Yeah, I think it's absolute right focus. I mean any sort of mature company over some period of time is, once they've been on the market, they're going to be driving the majority of their revenue from existing customers. So, uh, yeah, having that broader focus, I think, is good. So, one of the things you focus on a lot is responsiveness. I mean, that's a key word you see throughout your your literature and so on. And certainly, it's a topic that people listening to the show that have read my books know that really at the forefront of what I write about. So, tell us why you think responsiveness is so
1: important. You know, I I think responsiveness is responsiveness is 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 a super interesting topic for me, and that I think, and I'm just going to digress just a little bit. If you give me a minute here, and that I think from from response, like there's there's a very interesting study that was recently done on charisma. And you know, charisma is one of these things we kind of see it in like the elections, right? Like, I mean, you look at say Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, and you know, we, and you look at say Hillary Clinton's got amazing experience, and and you know, whereas Donald Trump, you know, the thing that's really kind of gotten him where he is 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 this, you know, charisma. The guy is just you want to watch him, right? Like, it was it was kind. I kind of you know, I knew I last night I, I actually. So what uh, you're saying?
0: So what you're saying you, is a car wreck has charisma.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, I yes, but you know. I, I agree with you I agree with you in a lot of uh, aspects there and and you know and I don't I don't want to get too political on it but I think I try to I try to look at him in, in a different way and say what is what is the thing that he does that makes him super charismatic and and there was a study that was recently done about this is like what is charisma and 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 what they found was was that speed of response and I'm not I'm not talking about phone calls right now I'm talking about even in-person communications is that if I'm sitting talking with you and, and you ask me a question and I say, and I sit here and I ponder and I, I think and I, I go through like a deep logical flow and a deep logical process and I come up with the right answer, then, you, you know, and I say it, you, 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 you will hear it and you'll think, okay, logically, you know, good answer, right? But if you put in the same situation a different person and they're able to... Come up with an answer, even if it's not as correct. If it's even if it's just slightly less correct, if they're able to come up with that answer, you know, twice as fast, three times as fast, and come up with an immediate response, you will see that person is charismatic. And I'm not, I'm not saying this isn't my theory. This is this is a study that was done in that in that charisma, in a large part, in in human society, is determined by, in fact, the, the speed of response. And 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 so I think that that's something that's very unique because I think in sales, you know, people. I think you have to have a fundamental selling process to really sell and and, and close deals. But I also think you've got to have a fundamental level of charisma. In that, a lot of top salespeople, they do two things right. You know, they get their follow up, they get their fundamentals, they get, get their, you know, but they also what do they do really, really well? They persevere, and they're very, very good at follow-up, and they're very, very good at responsiveness. And so, and so this, this is something that, that, that we really focus on. And what we do is, is that because we capture the data, what we'll say is, if, if there's a call that comes in and uh, a, a lead comes in through like a, a web lead form into Salesforce, and no one on the team uh, has followed up with it within five minutes, this is a product that we have that's called Lead Danger. mm mm-hmm. We will send. We will send out sort of a social shaming tool, where we will say, we will create an email that CCs the uh, sales manager and every single person in sales with that lead information, and says, "Hey, this lead came in. It was assigned to this person, and no one has followed up within 10 minutes." You have and then it will say a statistic right below it where it will say according to this data study you are one if you let this go for another you know six hours you are a hundred times less likely to close this customer and and so that's something that we 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 really hold near and dear is that especially on the phone you know calling leads back right away is so fundamentally important and I know you've talked about this a lot you've written about this a lot and I totally agree with you I think it's just it's one of those key aspects where where most companies and most sales organizations could, just by doing this one thing, which I would consider this to be fundamental, a fundamental sales principle, I mean, forget all the complex reporting, forget all the pipeline analysis, forget all this, you know, sort of, it's sort of like going to the gym and you're more worried about the six protein supplements you're going to take afterward Instead of what you're actually going to do in the gym, and and this, if you if most businesses just fix this one thing, you know they'd see their sales increase.
0: Yeah, well, I, I give an example in my first book, uh, Zero Time Selling, about this with a a client I worked with. That, uh, and I would I would that's why I would I would maybe change the word from charisma to trust, perhaps. Is that, mm-hmm. um, because the sales team. Half of them were sort of the least charismatic people in the world. One was pathologically shy. Cool. Um, is they're selling some of a technical product, sold for about thirty grand. They called me in. This was sales that sort of flattened out. CEO wasn't sure why. He was a successful entrepreneur. This is third or fourth company. And you know, I looked at, came in, and it didn't take long to find out that you know they just weren't following up their leads, and they were getting a lot of leads, and they just weren't following them up. And it's taken like on average three days, four days, and they weren't even following up hundred percent of them. So, yeah, you know, I turned to the CEO, I said, Well, you know, I can fix this problem in five minutes. And he said, Well, how do you do that? And nice. I said, Well, what we're gonna do nice. is you know, we're gonna have all the leads go to your your sales app person and they're gonna put it into Salesforce and distribute the leads. And I said, What's gonna change in the process is that you, Mr. CEO, is every day at four thirty, you're gonna log on to Salesforce and make sure they're all followed up. Now, they didn't have the lead danger problem. This was years ago. They didn't have the lead danger, which they could have used. I love it. Mm-hmm. What happened is you know, the salespeople instantly had 100% follow-up. But what happened to the point I think you're beginning to drive at with response, is the reason I say it's so important, and you talked about it, is the one thing the company could do. It's what uh, Charles Duhigg in his book, The Power of Habit, calls, calls the keystone habit, is you master that, the ripple effect throughout the entire company is amazing. What this company did is, we got them down to the point. They followed up every lead within 30 minutes. And I love it. Love it. The customers were just blown away. Right. They were they were working three quarters of the way through the company, the customers' buying process on that first call. Because then the competitors weren't calling for another two days. And so it's this huge trust building, this huge differentiator between them and everybody else. And really by virtue of doing nothing else but that change in their sales process over two years, they more than doubled the cut size of the company.
1: That's amazing. So the power, the, isn't, isn't the power it, isn't of responsiveness it so, is incredible. Isn't it so amazing how like it's these? It's really the fundamentals, like like what you're talking about here in, in terms of driving that responsiveness, and, and 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 also I'd say probably the you've talked about this. I, I was listening to some of your other pod, you know, podcasts and a regular listener, and and I, you heard about where you're talking about the power of questions, and mm-hmm. then you know, a lot of times people are not you know. People, you know, sales, if you if you take a, a good salesperson versus, say, a substandard salesperson, and you you really dissect it, like, just the, the ability to ask, you know, contextual questions and to ask the right questions and get the right information is also so powerful. Don't you find it fascinating in the sales world that, that really, it's not really that, you know, it's not, hey, how many Don Drapers do you have on your team? It's more, you know, how many people do you have on your team that can execute on these fundamental things like responsiveness well, that's why I love and asking lo- the right questions and using, you know. Well, I was going to say, that's why
0: I love what you're doing with Lead Danger is that because, you know, A, it's, to me it's it's like, wow, that's that's what you need. You know, we've got all this technology we're applying to sales and all these sales enablement technologies and so on. But at the end of the day, I was just talking to another guest about this recently, is, is that we still have the same problems in sales. You know, fifty percent of reps don't make quota. You know, fifty to sixty percent of deals, yeah. qualified deals in a pipeline, don't close. They go to no decision. Uh, you know, I can sort of go on with all these stats that have been basically unchanged for twenty years since really the beginning of the internet in a commercial sense. So now we've got all these technologies, they're not moving the needle in terms of productivity.
1: So it's it's, it's just fasc-
0: right, fascinating, right? So what what's, what's going to make it change? And I and I believe, as clearly you do as well, is that. It's increased focus on these what I call sales habits, and you know these fundamental behaviors. Mm-hmm. That you know, if we spent less time talking about skills and more time about behaviors, that responsiveness first and foremost among it. You know, and to me, responsiveness I have a very specific definition, which is not just speed, but it's content as well, it's value. So yeah, you you talked about if you can get back to somebody fast, you don't necessarily need to have the perfect. Answer because people don't make perfect decisions. You know, when, when buyers are buying products and services, it's this whole concept of the good enough decision. That's what most people make. Right? They've yeah. got a certain amount of time yeah. and, and bandwidth they can allocate to making a decision. <coughs> and when they've gathered the information that meets that criteria, they they move forward.
1: So know, they, to get it done, to get to get the item checked off yeah, their list.
0: Get it checked off their list. You know, they exactly. got a busy busy day. Exactly. So yeah. So yeah, you could get a request from a customer, and you could spend three or four days coming up with a perfect answer. But if I got back to them in thirty minutes with one that was good enough that moved them to the next stage of their buying process, I'm going to win.
1: Yeah, every every single time. I'm no, going to win. No question. I mean,
0: yeah, it's just and so you know, like that client I was talking about before. Example we did there is. You know, once I asked some questions, got some answers. Is invariably, the customer would say, "Well, can I get a demo of your software?" And mm-hmm. so, no, actually, what they'd say is, "Can we schedule a demo of your software?" And so, what I taught the salespeople to do is to say, "No, but we can do it right now." I and, love it. Oh, I love it. it you guys could get it. Just it blew them hot away. Hot demo. Hot demo. It blew them away. Can nice. we schedule? No, but we can do it right now. And in about seventy five percent of the cases, the customer said, "Great, let's do it." So they'd get almost, I said, three quarters of the way through the buying process with the customer in the first forty five
1: minutes. Oh man! And and you and you're getting the customer to that aha moment way faster than your exactly. competitors. And it and as soon as and as, and as soon as you built that like reciprocity, and as soon as you built that influence and that like, they're not going to just. They're not going to just go to some other competitor. Like people, you know, buyers are not logical, right? Buyers are emotional beings. And 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 once they've got to the aha moment with you, because you've used these tactics and you've moved them, you know, to the next stage in the buying process, you, you built that trust with them. And so now they're going to move forward with you.
0: Well, you what you do is is you eliminate their incentive to go talk to somebody else. So we had a very we had a phrase for that. You know, for people listening, we call that taking prospects off the market.
1: <laughs> I like it. And that's I what like you're it. trying to do.
0: And so, you know, I have a whole talk I give about this subject, that, and ultimately most people, more people will see it, but it's called, how do you win the sale before you win the order? It's that aha moment. How do you get to mm-hmm. that aha moment? That's winning the sale. Where the customer says, yeah, that's who I want that's to do com- business with.
1: That's competitive advantage right there. Huge. I mean, that's a <laughs> huge competitive advantage.
0: Huge. We're going to move on to the last segment of the show, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll spare You and Patrick, uh, the pain of doing that. But uh, yeah, the last segment of the show, we got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And the first one's a hypothetical scenario, which is, in the scenario, you, Patrick, have just been hired as VP of sales at a company whose sales have stalled out. And the board and CEO are anxious to hit the reset button, get things going back on track. So what two steps could you take your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact
1: Okay. First, so so first week on the job, what I would do is I would st- I would say I would to, to my hiring uh, to my supervisor uh, I would say I would say do not announce number one first step I would say do not announce that I'm the new VP of sales for three days, and I would stay at home or I would lock myself in a room, and I would pour over the Salesforce data that's in the system. And I would find out number, I would find out number one, how responsive, how responsive is this organization? When a lead comes in, how responsive? Uh, number two, I would test all of the uh, the marketing funnels. I would go to the site, I would, I would create a test, you know, I would I would fill out a fake uh, person, you know, I'd come up with a persona I'd fill out a form and I'd wait I would wait to see how I was approached in the sales process by the existing team I would and when, and I was if I was approached because hey maybe I'm not called back yeah. um, and so I would I would find out really how it works live and I would take notes about who that person was and how they did it and I'd probably do that a few times just to get a couple of samples and then number three I would pull up an opportunities report and I would really figure out, you know of the opportunities that we create how many times do we follow up and how often do we follow up because because what i find is that it, is that is that in many many organizations they many organizations are just completely drunk on the the power of continually getting leads and continually getting leads and there's just more coming in and you come in tomorrow and there's another 10 20 50 100 1000 and you just Chasing new leads, but what what I find happens is is that oftentimes when you're chasing only chasing new leads instead of really cultivating uh, past opportunities, is that you let a lot you leave a lot of money on the table. And so I would do those three things, mm-hmm. and I would find out you know really kind of take like a sales report card and audit and take you know under. Understand responsiveness, understand the flows, and, and who, what, you know what the message is, and then really understand uh, follow up on the opportunity side. And I will bet you that that any organization that is truly stalled out in sales has a problem in one of these three areas. And I would home it, and then uh, the next thing I would do is I would come uh, into the office. I would be announced, and then I would I would work with the team to make sure that we fix these fundamental issues. Excellent. Good,
0: good response, and I, I really like the last one too about the the follow up because you know I think it's I think it's something we're seeing in sales, uh, especially in the tech space that that's really problematic is burning through lists and having what I consider sort of an unsustainably low close rate, burning through these lists instead of yeah really working on the opportunities that have come in. So. Uh, love that. So, okay. Uh, now, some rapid-fire questions. You can give me one-word answers or elaborate if you wish. So, the first one is: When you, Patrick Hogan, are out selling tenfold services, what's your most powerful sales attribute?
1: Most powerful sales attribute is is questions. Is that we we had a we had a if you don't, if I'll, I'll I'll keep it brief there. But we had a really good sales trainer that that taught us what I call TED, and TED is uh, where it's it's uh, a question uh, asking uh, tactic where when when somebody when you ask somebody a question you don't let them just stop there what what you do is you you do a ted either t tell me more e explain to me mm-hmm. this d describe describe to me this where very open ended questions that allow yep. the person to give, give you a lot of information and, and i find that that I find that the best demos and the best pitches that I've been on are ones where I spend the first, you know, so many people are just so eager. Just, I, I, I want to show you my demo. I want to show you my demo and look, look at look at my demo. And, and, and that is the totally wrong. You're just barfing out this demo. And that's the totally wrong approach because most products these days have several features. And, and in a sales stack, people do not buy the platform. They buy because they need to add a few of these features to their sales stack, or you know, maybe they're maybe they're a company that does everything on inbound calls. Maybe they're a company that does everything on outbound calls. You know, those are totally different behaviors. And so, and so, I find that I the best tactic I use or attribute I use is I take the first fifteen minutes to just continuously ask questions, and I I, I will deliberately take notes, and then and then I will change the way that I operate in the. You know the last half, half, and 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 just use the information I have to tailor whatever I'm speaking about to mm-hmm. that person.
0: Excellent. Okay. Great answer.
1: So, who's your sales role model? Okay, sales so sales role model. I got two. So I said uh, Frank Asolino is one of them. He's our sales trainer, um, and uh, you know he's he's just very very good. And then I'd also say Dan and Cabbage, who's our our the CSO of of uh, of Tenfold. He's just one of the best salespeople I've ever met okay so what's one book you recommend every salesperson read uh, so so I'm a, I'm a very I, I read a lot and uh, I, I use my Kindle a lot and um, I, I don't have just one but I would say here's two I'd say number one number one deliberate practice I'm a big believer that that you know that it takes preparation and it takes a commitment and it takes um you know, practice. You know, Tiger Woods is Tiger Woods because A, he had a lot of natural talent, but B, he, he was the most deliberate mm-hmm. practice person ever. And so, okay. so I, I recommend that. And I think uh, I also recommend uh, Influence by Robert Cialdini. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, very good book. Okay, good.
0: All right. Yeah, definitely a good book. Uh, I've not read Deliberate uh, Practice, but it's on my list. All right. Last question for you is what, uh, what music's on your playlist these days?
1: <laughs> so, so okay. So I, I actually uh, there's a lot of work to do in in tenfold, and so I try, try to find things like uh, like music where I actually try to eliminate choices uh, because I think if I eliminate choices, I'll have more energy for other choices. And so I use a service out of New York called Hype M H Y P E M dot com. It's mostly mashups and dance music, and it has a stream, uh, and it really kind of just gets uh, gets gets me into the flow, and so. It, I hit play and it just presents me with songs. All right. Hype M. I'm going to
0: check it out. All right. Well, Patrick, it's been great talking with you. Uh, tell people they can find out uh, more about Tenfold and connect with you.
1: Sure, sure thing. So, so finding out more about Tenfold, you can just go to tenfold.com. If you want to find out more about the way we think, uh, you can go to tenfold.com forward slash blog. We have a very active blog. I, have, I write things on there regularly. Uh, And if you ever have any questions, you can email me directly at patrick, uh, P-A-T-R-I-C-K, at tenfold.com. And I'm always interested in answering questions, so just, just send me an email. Excellent.
0: Well, again, Patrick, thanks for being on the show. And friends, remember, make it a part of your daily routine every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And one easy way to do that is take a minute and subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate, and that way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Patrick Hogan, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me, and until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's
1: guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.